Enough of the announcements. We are in a series called Fruition. And um, listen, we're looking down the pipeline. There's not too many characteristics of the Holy Spirit we've yet to cover. We've, we've taken our time. We've looked at several different, what Paul the Apostle calls fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. And Paul's saying, listen, if you're a Christ follower, if you are new to the game, you're old to the game, or you're thinking about the game, Paul's saying, in following Jesus, not immediately, but through the obedience of following his word, staying step with his spirit, there's going to be characteristics. They're quite uncommon characteristics, but there's going to be characteristics, or we know them as fruit to following Jesus. They come out of Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. There's nine of them. I'm going to read it for us together. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love casts a long shadow over all the others. Love is where it starts. You get love right, there's a good chance all the rest are going to come to pass. Fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness, it's faithfulness, today gentleness, and it's self-control, it's self-control. Being trained in the ways of Jesus is important for us because whether we like it or not, we're on display. Like if we're claiming to follow Jesus, can I just be real with you, there's really no place our foot treads where we get to take some time off. We can rest, we could be Uh, at peace, but we're still following Jesus. And so on any given day, any given environment, we are a witness to this reality, the gospel in three words, Jesus is king. And our life is showcasing that. And Paul's saying, Paul's telling this church, he's like, listen, listen, listen. These are fruit of what it means to follow Jesus. Not, not, not just the decision, like, hey, I need Jesus, like many of us have made that decision. Like, that's where it starts. But not only do we need Jesus, eventually we begin to identify. Like, so, hey, don't be surprised if your spouse or a close friend says, man, you sure sound a lot like Jesus. Don't, don't be shocked, okay? I hope nobody passes out when somebody looks at the way you treat others. Like, wow, you really... You really must have a good heavenly father. The way you talk, the way you treat. Dare I say the way you operate on social media. My goodness, you must go to that hillside church or something, right? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Every generation in the room, every generation's in the room right now, I want to tell you. You know what the one thing that is translated in every generation Authentic Jesus followers looking like authentic Jesus followers. People who claim Christ, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. Not just in their spiritual life, but their spiritual life overflows to every arena of life. That over time, with all the mistakes, with all the failures, keep getting up and moving forward one step at a time. Here's what Paul says. Over time, the Holy Spirit 
is going to make you, transform you into being more Christ-like. And in the meantime, we're swimming in great depths of God's grace. Amen? So we know that the days were unloving, were not fun or joyful. We are anxious, chaotic, stressed out. We're fine. Freaked out, insecure, neurotic. You know. On the days we're just fine, God meets us in that space, and His grace holds us. I'm excited today, though, to talk about gentleness. Gentleness in the culture and the climate I grew up (laughs) is the last thing I wanted in my life. Gentleness was weakness. Gentleness, I hate to say it, it was for the ladies. For the men, I thought the best path, the most expedient path, was anger, loudness, and did I mention anger? The fruit of the Spirit does not list anger, unfortunately. In fact, a few verses above the fruit of the Spirit, Paul lists the fruit of humanity, the fruit of our sinful ways, and anger is all up in the mix of that one. Nobody really had to teach me that. But the Holy Spirit, the Lord has had to, over time, teach me the power, dare I say, the allure of gentleness. Gentleness. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2, it says this. Paul's writing, and he's saying, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Okay, Paul, tell us more. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Maybe that's a shorter, more concise, hey, operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Be humble and what? Gentle. Look at that. Be humble and gentle. So Paul's writing... Galatian church is a pagan society. Scripture you may be reading in the New Testament, they talk about the difference between Jew and Gentile or Jew and Greek or Jew, those that are kind of, not kind of, they're born in the family of God and the Gentiles who were brought into the family of God. Well, the Gentile culture, the Greek culture was a Roman, should I say this, a Roman culture. And when you would meet a Roman officer on their list of virtues handed down to them by Socrates and Aristotle, okay, which was kind of their Bible or their life narrative. Socrates and Aristotle isn't promoting, hey guys, be humble. Think of others. No, the way of Rome was promotion. It was striving. In fact, Rome would have the phrase, right, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, and it was a farce. So the way Rome operated politically is they would basically come in, overpower your district or your country, and then they would offer you, hey, we have peace. After all these mass killings, we come in peace. After we just slaughtered your relatives and the town next to you, we come in peace. Either Rome rules, or we're going to kill you too. 
And so gentleness was a bit strange. For us, maybe we grew up in a culture, or maybe you've been churched, and you're like, yeah, I know about gentleness. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you operate in gentleness. Well, good. But if gentleness is a, is a little rough, if you, if you have a little bit of a hesitancy towards it, welcome to the party. The audience that was receiving this word from Paul very much the same way. In fact, almost all of these fruit of the Holy Spirit was kind of counter their climate, counter their way of thinking. They were thinking, no, 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 humble. Humility? That's not on the virtue list. That's ridiculous. Gentleness. History tells us gentleness kind of came in between two extremes. They, they wouldn't tell you to be too angry, but they certainly wouldn't promote you to be gentle. That's seen as a weakness. And so when Paul's telling us, I want you to see this, when Paul's inviting us to the fruit of the Spirit, can I tell you, in each of these fruit of the Spirit, he's revealing a side of God's heart towards us. And God doesn't come in like a Roman officer. He comes in peace. He comes gently. Now, he invites us. Hey, it ain't always going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. But I bring a peace. Jesus would say, I bring you a peace that this world can't give you. Every one of these fruit is a, is a bit of the heartbeat of God. It's his nature towards us. And so gentleness, though it may be underrated in our society, though it may at times can be seen weak, like today's message, I can promise you the cults up the road or the Cincinnati Bengals down the road from us or, you know, Cardinals, IU, UK, getting pumped up for a game, they're not going to play. Guys, let's, let's go in gentle. Guys, why don't we just tone? Listen, can we just tone it down? You know, nobody, no coach is telling their offensive line, hey, take it easy today. You know, last week, ah, you were too aggressive. Just, just slow it down. No, I mean, it's counterintuitive. And I'm honestly, I'm not, I, I think of the right context, all, all of that is great. But could I tell you to your inner world, to your relationships with others, your personality and your, and your family, your friendships. God invites us, man. God invites us to take the angry, anxious, chaotic spaces of our life and cultivate a, gen a generous but a gentle spirit towards others. Christopher Wright has this quote. If we could pull this up. He says, if patience is the ability to endure hostility and criticism without anger, then gentleness is the ability to endure such things without aggression. Gentleness shows itself when I've learned that the Christ-like way to respond to conflicts and quarrels, rejection, unfairness, or harsh words spoken against me is not with bluster and self-defense, not with harsh and aggressive words, not with angry gestures and facial expressions, not with prickles and spikes, He's British, forgive him. But rather, with softness, controlling my tongue and my temper. Gentleness. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And Paul would remind us, man, we don't really get to pick and choose. It's not a matter of temperament. But it's a matter of continuing to surrender, continuing to submit our ways. And I've learned that gentleness, it, it's calm. 
It can be direct. It will speak the truth. It isn't clothed in false humility or fakeness, gentleness. It's clear. It's concise. It's focused. It's the farthest thing in my mind from weakness. But it's to have, I think, carrying the spirit of God and the tone of God in some of the most chaotic and anxious environments. And God invites us to live with such a posture towards one another. Listen, a few Old Testament verses for you on God's gentleness. Psalm 23, 2 through 3. He, being God, right, the good shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. One of the prophets, Isaiah, says that he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. I'm in this highlighting of God's gentleness towards us. Kindness of Christ. The generosity of Christ. That on our worst day, aren't you grateful that God's not postured to hurt us or to harm us, but he meets us with his spirit in a gentle and a kind and a forthcoming way. Again, Jesus. You think of Jesus? Jesus full of truth Truth and what? Grace. It's that tension of gentleness. Gentleness isn't weakness. Gentleness isn't backing down. Gentleness isn't, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter how you live. Ah, what'll be will be, whatever. You know, it's not, it's not letting, you know, parents, I'm in that boat. It's not letting your children have their way all the way. Because come on, too much sugar brings a cavity. You can't. My, my daughters try to convince me. Can we have sugar breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack time? And then to add insult to injury, can we have orange juice and apple juice all the time? How many of you know after a while? That ain't going to work. So you've got to have the truth. And gentleness can have the truth. It can deliver the truth. But it's in such tone that it can be heard. Gentleness can keep carrying the witness Christ. I think of Jesus and his gentleness. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29. Some of our favorite passages come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke is a picture of the cattle, right? You familiar? You could Google what a yoke is in cattle, but it was the cattle around their shoulders. They would have the yoke put upon them to keep them moving in the same direction. And Jesus is saying, as you come alongside me, you take up my yoke that is easy, my burden that is light, and learn from me. And here's what he's actually saying, for I am what? What's the word? Gentle. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We serve a gentle, gentle God. So I have on my notes, not gentle yet. I have I have. A little piece in my notes, a little pivot. God's gentleness, the gentleness on display in Jesus, and then our human reality that we probably weren't born gentle. 
We probably didn't learn maybe gentleness in the home. I think, um, I think back. I learned gentleness in the home. I just rebelled against it on the sports field. You know, I would like to, like to appreciate what our coaches would, would tell us. And then the adrenaline would make all the coaching tips and all the being a Christian protocol fly out the window. And I just became a monster on the soccer field. And uh, it was not pretty. I remember in junior high, eighth grade, got to be one of the captains of uh, the private Christian school that I attended. And um, as someone born and raised in the church and yet still having several spiritual dots unconnected, I would have what is called a temporary temper tantrum. And by temporary, it was just, you know, on the soccer field. And I remember several, several times when a call did not go my way, I wouldn't use language. I knew better than to curse, but I would use my actions. And so I'd grab that soccer ball, and I would look up. I would look down, and I'd get overcome with excitement. And I'd look at the ref, and I would take that ball, and I would slam it, and it would shoot about 20 feet up. They're like, no, I'm calm, I'm collected, as I receive my yellow card for my angry behavior. And I remember, I was pretty good, so they would let us all play together. And I remember there were a few of other guys that I could get roped in with me. And uh, they started displaying anger on the soccer field. It was beautiful. And here we are, and you know, hey, yeah, let's, you know, it's always great to get angry. And then at the end of the game, invite the other team to pray. And they're like, oh. What? (laughs) But let's leave that aside. So I remember distinctly in eighth grade being called out of class. And, you know, in my teenage arrogance, I was kind of excited about it. Came out of the the classroom, and I'm there in the hallway. And uh, the athletic director, the coach, teacher, and some of my other teammates and I thought man these aren't the good players these are the angry players with me what's going on and they let us in no uncertain terms know like you do this again you're not going to come on that field and the funny thing is there was a sixth grader his older brother was supposed to be in the meeting that poor sixth grader he had no idea he didn't really see any game time he just broke down and started crying and we suddenly realized oh we got the wrong guy but with me they had the right guy now remember I had I was taken aback. It was kind of one of my learning lessons in life that, man, a witness can be broken down by anger. It can expediate. It can feel good. It can release the adrenaline rush. But it can still be very, very wrong. And I think Paul understood this, that when he invited the early church to follow in the ways of Jesus, to listen closely, and to be trained and formed in his ways, I realized that that part of discipleship, it may address what I call a family of origin issue in your life. You may have been grown up or born into the church, well, great. But behind closed doors in the quiet or not so quiet of your home, there's no way you're not being discipled. Each and every one of us is being discipled from birth by our guardians or our parents. 
And despite their encouragement to know God's word, despite their encouragement, and despite all the wonderful positives you got, there's a chance they taught you some of the ways of anger. There's a chance they may have taught you some of the ways that were not gentle, that were not kind, that were not peaceful. And so Jesus invites you, man, you get, Bob, <laughs> in the stillness, the quiet place of your soul, he invites you, man, would you, would you follow me in this area? Because anger, I've noticed, anger could get things done. Anger could get control back in the game. Anger can make things happen. But God invites us to, to lay it down. He says, man, that's a path that if we're not careful, it will lead to destruction. So it makes perfect sense that Paul comes alongside and he says, man, a gentle tone, a gentle spirit. You ever been on the receiving end of somebody angry? And I mean, after the conversation, you think, and you're like, they did have something important to say. Like, they actually had some good content. But because of how angry they were, I couldn't even hear it. I shut down. You ever shut somebody down? No, that's second service, not first service, I know. Sometimes we can be so right. Sometimes we can have such righteous indignation, but our tone is anything but gentle, so it can't even be heard. Family of origin and life setting I have here may have shown you the path of anger. Angry parents, angry teachers, angry bosses, angry coaches, angry pastors modeled it as a means to an end. If I get angry, I can make you afraid, so you will obey. This forms us deeply. It marks our souls and influences our perspective for life. If you were modeled gentleness, calm, wisdom, and had parents who modeled low levels of reactivity, then you had a leg up on others, so to speak. It would have modeled a way of a life that mirrored Christ. I can count, by God's grace, I'm so grateful for my parents. I can count on one hand and three fingers the time I saw my father get angry. And they weren't all at me, okay? I have two older sisters. One for her, one for her, and then I'm only going to say one for me. <laughs> but where I can really remember, whoo, Paul stepped way out of line on that one. I was modeled. I was modeled. Some of you, you're like, three, three times? You're exaggerating. No, three times. Some of you are like, man, three times before 9 a.m. was a good day. For many, anger becomes a way of life. It's generational. It really can be. You know, the concept biblically and scripturally is that things can get passed down to the next generation. The areas, the, the dealings of our heart that we just kind of shut the door to the Lord to, or we think sometimes are inconsequential or don't matter that much, that we may minimize because our culture minimizes it, can sometimes have the most lasting effect. And guess what? You're here to break those generational, those generational pathways, those generational personalities. God's called you to step into everything you've been created to be. God's called you to step in to the truth of who he is and his love for you. Just because it was passed down doesn't mean it has to be passed down. It could stop with you. 
those cycles of aggression, those cycles of, 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 of control and manipulation. Come on, you know, you're like, I did not know gentleness could have so much content. Neither did I. But it does. <laughs> when we look at it and when we study it and when we kind of take it out and say, well, what's to Paul in this gentleness here? He's like, it's the way of Jesus. It is the way of Jesus. Also think, not only is our family setting, but I will, I will just say this. We live in a tremendously anxious society. Tremendously anxious society. And all of our anxiety has a reactivity from us. And gentleness isn't always the response to our anxious. You ever notice when something's on your mind, how it begins to filter all your interactions? You ever carrying a weight, carrying a responsibility, maybe something you're anxious over? You ever find yourself short, to the point, quick, loud, or silent? No raising hands, but silent treatment can, can do some wonders too. Gentleness, though, it invites us, invites us to operate in Christ's likeness. If I could speak just briefly as we close here to the essence of gentleness. I think we're headed, just say this, I think we're headed as a society. That where the witness of Christ and gentleness is only going to rise and rise and rise. I believe that following Jesus and carrying a gentle spirit in political climates in work environments, and in families, and in cities, and in communities. It's going to be one of the most impressionable, impressionable dynamics of our love of Jesus. It's our willingness to submit and surrender to his ways. To not always choose arguing, to not always choose being right, to not always choose having the, the upper hand or the final word. Can I tell you, a gentle spirit can sometimes be the most refreshing thing, the most refreshing person in the room. I think about two passages. When Elijah was going to the cave to hear from God, and there was an earthquake, and there was a thunderstorm, and he was listening. He was leaning in. He's like, God, what you got to say? Where are you? What do you have for me to hear? But God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the thunder. He was in the still, small voice, the whisper. I believe our cultural setting, man, it's an earthquake. Shoot. It's a, it's a tsunami, it's an earthquake, it's a, it's a firestorm, it's crack-a-lacking, it's crazy. And we can come in with the kind, gentle, calm voice of the Lord. And what happens? We can just disarm people. That still small voice has never, I don't think, ever been as priceless for our Christian witness. Or I think of Psalm 46, 10. The psalmist encourages us. Hey, 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 hey. Mr. and Mrs. Chaos in your soul at times. 
Be still. Be still. Receive. Receive the gentle voice of the Lord calling us, calmly inviting us. It's too easy these days to pick fights. It's too easy today to look at things that make us different or argue. It's a beautiful thing to be a person that cultivates unity, kindness, and generosity of spirit. And one of the byproducts of love, like I said, man, that, that Christ-like love is a gentle, gentle spirit. Gentleness, it has a calm, it has a clarity, it has a kindness. I think about Derby Dinner Playhouse, Tuesday night, murder on the Orient Express. Fried chicken, green beans, salad with ranch dressing, unsweet tea. It was a good night. At the end of the tension-filled suspense drama that played out in front of my eyes, which I won't spoil for you, but it was quite surprising. I was clueless. At the end of that, I thought somebody was pulling a practical joke. It had gone pitch black. It was about 10 p.m. It had gone pitch black. The curtain call had happened. Everybody, you know, had applauded, screamed for all the actresses and actors, and then the lights go up. In the corner of the room, again, my dry sense of humor, I thought, man, that is a hilarious joke. Somebody yells, call 911. Somebody yells out, listen, we need a doctor. We need a nurse. Somebody had tripped and fallen over. You know, as a good pastor, I distanced myself, moved to the other direction. <laughs> said, I know my spiritual gift here. Lord, would you touch them? Would you bless them? Would you just move? I used an exit I'd never used before. But it was amazing because I, I heard I'm a doctor. I heard I'm, an, I'm a nurse. Now they were way on the other side and I saw. Here's what I saw. I saw a generous, kind, gentle spirit move into a frenetic, chaotic, panic moment. Beautiful, beautiful picture. But can I tell you? It's a beautiful picture of an invitation the Lord has given each and every one of us. People in your lives, when they mess up and they make mistakes, when you're let down, when you're gossiped about, when people are saying negative things against you, it's within your rights to retaliate. It's within your rights to blow up. But as a Christ follower, it's not in your rights. Because God says, I've taken that heart of stone and I've made it into flesh. God says, I want to do a beautiful exchange between that anger. And I want to heal the woundedness of your soul that's reactive. It's going to take some time. We're going to highlight some areas. We may have some people to forgive. But if you let me do the deep, slow work, gentleness will come out the other side. 
and you can be like that doctor and that nurse. It's amazing. It's not, don't be looking at me. You're in full-time ministry. You just serve in a different environment with a different capacity. You're not going to see only pastors listed in the book of Acts. No, you're going to see Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, that pastors are here to equip. Yes, to model and do, but to equip. And this message was to equip you. Make you aware. Maybe you've just been taught the way of anger, the way of frustration, the way of just blah. That way came quite naturally for me. (laughs) It wasn't modeled, but boy, it came. I don't know where it came from, but it came quick and it came easy. But God's been showing me lately the power of our witness in a world that is set on discord and division and frustration and nitpicking and negativity. Here we get to come with our kindness, showing a good, a good way with the best leader, Christ Jesus, our King. And he invites each of us, man, weapons down, (laughs) hands open. Spirits open. Truth with grace and gentle way. Amen?